What's happening, weirdos? That's that's audiobook. Um, I'm so sorry about that. We're so excited for you guys to hear this. Um, this audiobook isn't brought to you by Audible. It's brought to us by our friends at Dame. Oh my gosh. If you're looking, yeah. Ladies. Ladies and couples. And couples. Did you know women are four times more likely than men to say sex is, quote, not at all pleasurable in the past year? Do I? I made made that joke last time. (laughs) I mean, Dame is a woman-founded company making toys for sex that close the pleasure gap. It's developed by real people with vulvas in Dame Labs for people with vulvas to bring your solo and couple play to new heights. And dare I say, Val? Yes? Pretty good Christmas present. Oh, yes. Absolutely. I would say it's the Christmas present. Yeah, get into it. We've talked so much about sex and relationships and embodiment. I'm so happy to have Dame on board. I really don't want it to be taboo to talk about sex toys uh, for yourself or as a couple. As I said, it's woman-owned, and the uh, uh, Volvo Vibrating Vibrators are founded by a sex educator and an engineering whiz. They develop toys with the help of real humans and couples like you, helping the world one vulva at a time. They're made with medical-grade silicone, smart design principles, and lots of love, earning glowing press from the New York Times, W Magazine, and much, much more. Whether you're a couple, like us, mm. looking for something that's going to spice it up, mm. or on a journey of self-exploration, like so many of us are in this quarantine, Dame products are sure to earn a spot on your nightstand. They have the ARC uh, ARC G-Spot Vibrator, which is the perfect length and curve to help find that tricky thing that so many stand-up comedians in the 90s said was unfindable. <laughs> and they have the Palm, which is a flexible vibrator that bends to fit your needs. It's customizable, basically, like a sexy, sexy Gumby. Mm-hmm. And the best part, Dame offers hassle-free returns within 60 days, so your satisfaction is literally guaranteed. Talking satisfaction, y'all. Go to dameproducts.com slash weird today for 15% off and show your support of the show. Val, I wish... I'm- I wish I had left more gaps. I mean, you love it, right? Yeah. I I mean, if you know me, you know I'm a rabid masturbator. <laughs> oh, my God. See? No shame. No shame. And if you're going to do it, do it with the, with the good stuff, the real stuff. You've got to do it with the good stuff. I've tried all all kinds of things. And you want to you want a good quality. Uh, woman made, yes. woman tested, engineering whiz. At the time of shamefully buying a sharper image back support, uh, back massager with secret intentions is over. Go to dameproducts.com slash weird for 15% off. Speaking of pleasure, another thing that we're a big fan of as a couple that comes with another stat. Did you know, according to research, men have 20 to 50% more orgasms, more orgasms, (laughs) as heterosexual women in partner sex encounters? Val, did you know that? Do I? (laughs) 75% of women still experience painful sex at some point. I know. I know. Babies. Jonathan? Oh, babies. Yeah, JVN. 80% of women experience painful menstrual cramps. It doesn't have to be this way. No. So I'm so happy to have Foria be one of our Pete's Picks, one of our newest Pete's Picks. Again, talking about embodiment, healthy sexuality, healthy relationships. 
Foria is on a mission to close the pleasure gap. They're the first brand to create a comprehensive product line addressing the sexual and pleasure needs of women with CBD-enriched arousal oil, lubricant, and suppositories to help alleviate women's issues related to painful sex, menstrual cramps, and even postmenopausal issues. Val, take this one. 100% plant-based and organic with zero fragrances, <laughs> fragrances, additives, or synthetics. There are no chemicals in you or on you. Val and I tried this when we got it in a gift basket from a talk show I did. We got their Awaken Arousal Oil, uh, which is uh, it's wonderful. It takes female pleasure to the next level. It enhances arousal and access to orgasm, making great sex even better, and eases discomfort. Uh, that's, also, that's also what their suppositories do, mm-hmm. which is for the menstrual cramps as well. They're, it's a game changer. It helps us drop into our bodies, feel connected and supported by these wonderful plant allies. And Ladies, you know how much of uh, your capacity to enjoy sex has to do with you being able to relax and uh, just allow your flower to open. So, Okay. (laughs) (laughs) It's the best stuff we found with a commitment to clean ingredients, organic and regenerative, regenerative farming, sex ed, and responsible packaging. It's the real deal. It's amazing. It's not some weird edible lube that you get at a rest stop oh, sex God. shop. Yeah. Foria is offering a special offer to the weirdos. Get 20% off your first order by going to foriawellness.com slash weird. That's foria, F-O-R-I-A, wellness.com slash weird for 20% off. What a deal. You're halfway to a ho, 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 happy holiday. <laughs> and speaking of plant-based and wonderful natural allies, Living Libations is my skin care, my dental care, my hair care. They are a game changer. For so many years, I've been mindful about what I put in my body, but I wasn't being very careful about what I put on my body. I was buying shaving cream and face washes and moisturizers that I thought were fancy and good because they were at French uh, mall outlet stores. But, of course, they're packed with chemicals linked to disease and toxicity levels never intended for humans. I want to eat food where I recognize the ingredients, and I want my skincare to be the same. Enter Living Libations. I started with their ginger exfoliating scrub, which I always say, even though, it's weird that you have to say this, it's natural and you recognize the ingredients, it's the most badass exfoliant I've ever found. Yeah. If gritty is a good thing, which it is in an exfoliant, it's the grittiest. It's the grittiest. It's the greatest. It smells so good. And it, like, really works. Like, and washes off clean. Yep. But it'll get get you where you need to go. Mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not hawking some natural alternative to, like, you know, the regular stuff at CVS. This is better and natural. Yeah. Plants and oils and extracts that, that you recognize, and it's wonderful. I also use their Zen Shave. It's their shaving balm that's so clean and natural and moisturizing, you can actually use a dab of it as an aftershave. Try doing that with a neon blue goo shot from a pressurized can. You can't. It has such a pleasant texture too. I love it. It's like weight. It's like weighted a little bit. It's yeah. kind of like heavier. It's cool a heavy whip. cream. It's yeah. a heavy cool whip. It's a, yeah, and it's like a cream fresh. It's a cream fresh. <laughs> and best at night, I put on their best skin ever moisturizer mm-hmm. as is now. Yeah, it smells great. It feels great. Gets your skin looking wonderful. That's what I put on before bed. But whatever your skin needs, this is a great way to support the show because they have small stuff and they have big stuff. If you want to uh, give us a gift, just try a Pete's pick. 
Get some face stuff, body stuff, eye stuff, teeth stuff. They even have stuff for babies. We've got Lee on Living Libations. We're now a Living Libations family. Mm-hmm. Whatever you need, Living Libations has a premium, natural, and wonderful product to replace the random chemical nightmare they sell at 7-Eleven. <laughs> Go to livinglibations.com, promo code WEIRD at checkout for 20% off. That's livinglibations.com, promo code WEIRD for 20% off. And whether it's Dame, Foria, Living Libations, Anything you buy directly supports and helps this show. I can't stress that enough. Um, so thank you for listening to the Pete's Picks, and thank you even more for trying one out or giving one to a friend this holiday season. That's right. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> All um, right. Oh shit! I'm late for my call. Okay. Get, Get into, into it. it. I want to start the episode with an airing of grievances because it's the festivist season. Oh shit! The airing. <laughs> It's a real blind side. Well, I was ready to monologue while you looked up what you needed to look up. Well, go ahead. Here I go. <laughs> you got me monologuing. Like I could have stopped you. No, that's from Incredibles. Oh. He should have said, like I could have stopped you, because that, if you're going for something to hurt someone's feelings, that's a good way. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh I'm just gosh. kidding. 100% JK. Um, so the New Yorker. Um, I don't know if I've slipped it into conversation lately. I've had a few New Yorker cartoons published. Oh my God, that's like in What About Bob? Where he tells the cashier at the Winnipesaukee General Store, it's just a small interview. Like he starts talking about his Good Morning America interview. And I was like, no wonder, I know I'm jumping around, I relate to Dr. Leo Marvin. Mm -hmm. Because he is the pinched, achieved human ego and he wants a family vacation but he's too uptight to enjoy it and just like you know the winds of fate a childlike character Bob Wiley played by Bill Murray sweeps in and reminds him that you never have any control over anything Yeah, and some of us need to be tied to a chair in the woods with dynamite or Bob does Mm -hmm. uh, for Dr. Leo Marvin to sort of snap and realize that anyway um I did have some cartoons in the New Yorker, and then <laughs> it's a small interview. <laughs> it's a small publication. Maybe you've heard of it. OMG. <laughs> they do little funny cartoons. <laughs> well, my whole life, I always, my mom always loved New Yorker cartoons and cartoons in general. It's one of my favorite things about your mom is it's that one of my favorite she, she loves the New Yorker and, like, actually reads the New Yorker. She reads it cub to cub. And she, like, will remember things that she yeah. read and she'll quote it to you, and I'm always like, God, I. I wish I could do that. Yeah, no fooling. I think I often fantasize about what if I read the New York Times. Mm. But I think I'd, I'd do better trying to read the New Yorker. Yeah. I read the fiction. Like the New Yorker's cooler anyway. Yeah. I, I, and yeah, I, it is. Well, what I want is a New York Times condensed into a, like a week. Like I don't want to read it every day. Yeah. And I don't want to miss anything big. And that's what a magazine is. Yeah. So we should go back in time and pitch magazine. <laughs> um, anywho, I'm so excited to see you. Yeah. For those of you who, who don't know, this is our time, our one time really, mm-hmm. that we have to talk mm-hmm. uninterrupted. That's why I'm a little excited out the gate. Like last night when I was trying to, dis- we were trying to decide something, uh, and remember it was like every fifth word, you were in the tub with Leela. And every fifth word, yeah. she was, like, interrupting, which she's a baby. It's not her fault. 
Uh, but I, and I said like, this is excruciating. Yeah. It's like Curious George. Mm, Curious George and Toy Story are are thinly veiled parenting. How many movies can we reference in the first five or five minutes? And they're all movies that we're watching with our baby. That's why Moana comes up so often. Except for What About Bob? And What About Bob came up and we did not watch that with her because it's pretty intense. Yeah. I also think Joaquin Phoenix, I said this to you last night, could play... Mm-hmm. Bob Wiley, mm-hmm. Bill Murray's character, in a brilliant remake. Yeah. Because he has that, like, he can be really funny when he's playing Unhinged. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I would say there is a Venn diagram overlap between What About Bob and The Master. I, I think I know what you're talking about. Well, the, I feel like I guess what I should say is somebody. Oh my YouTube god! Oh my god! Thing. Valerie, yes, I just got I, it. I was shocked you didn't. Well, I didn't see the Dr. Leo Marvin. Phil Hoffman is Dr. Yes. Leo Marvin, who wrote a book. Yes. Oh my god! I feel like somebody could baby one, steps one of up those, the bridge. <laughs> one of those funny uh, YouTube boys could or gals could like cut together a trailer. Of the with like scenes of the master, but the format or maybe the narration See, of what about is, Bob? What's fun about there's lots fun about being in a relationship, but when you really, when you really share your life with somebody, <laughs> uh, you get the benefit of like I'm saying, wow, Joaquin Phoenix could be in this movie. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying I subconsciously was thinking what you're thinking, but like when I said, are you afraid of being institutionalized because you saw the preview for Girl Interrupted? Yeah. You know that I love the movie The Master. I say that. You connect the the neurons for me. Yes. And fill me with the delight that usually, before you, only my own brain could provide. That yeah. sort of type of intel yeah, when that you, it knows I, it likes so badly, so it's always looking for it. And you're like, I can do this. Yeah. And you did it for me. When you know somebody... When you know somebody... So well, you're basically like... Um, I can do what your own brain does because I know all of your brain's references, but I have like another perspective right. from it so I can. Well, we were totally, we were thinking about the. Uh, okay. So Aaron Sorkin's masterclass, which I watched, he said this really great thing where he's like, you don't actually want to write how people talk. Mm. He's like, you want to write how characters talk. Yeah. And he's so right. And we were watching my favorite Christmas movie, which is, um, Uh, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas, the song, became a movie because it's a melancholy song. Um, I'm sort of at the time of, is is, uh, The Family Stone. Okay. Sorry. (laughs) I'm all over the place, but I'm excited. Mm -hmm. It's not a lack of focus. It's just like when you're playing a mixtape for somebody and you can't wait for them to hear the next song, so you skip the first song. (laughs) That's what I keep doing. I'm going to try to rein it in. (laughs) Um, I love The Family Stone. And there's a scene where Diane Keaton and... um, Oh, I'm forgetting his name. The wonderful other actor. Oh, Craig. Uh, Craig T. Nelson. Yeah. And they're in bed together. And he says, they're talking about their son's girlfriend. And mm-hmm. he's like, well, at least she's polite. And she goes, oh, please. You teach, uh, you give any monkey a silver spoon. You put a silver spoon up any monkey's butt. It's bound to go, please and thank you. Yeah. Right. And he laughs. Uh-huh. And I'm like. This is characters. These are characters. Because mm-hmm. 
the way that you and I talk. Hi, Brody. We've only been married six years. Mm-hmm. No, uh, we've been together for. We've been together for eight years. Eight married years, for married three. for three. Okay, so I was way off. <laughs> the way that I was going by the house. Yeah, we've defense. been in the house for six years. That's where I got that number. But um, I, I'm distracted if the dog is going to keep losing it. But. He is. I'm freaking out. Um, <laughs> You're making the point that Craig T. Nelson would have if, would, been if, together. if they were really together for 30 years. Yeah, she would say he'd go. Well, she's polite. And he'd go, Silver Spoon Monkey. And then yeah. he wouldn't laugh. He'd just go, yeah. Yeah. You know what because, I mean? Because like, at that point, they are not saying any new things to each other. Which is sort of like us. Yeah. And now there's actually a, a, a psychic depth down, which I can say, Joaquin Phoenix would be great in What About Bob? Yeah. And then you say, without really saying it, but what you were saying was, what you mean is, What About Bob and The Master are similar movies. Yeah. And I feel good naked. Yeah. You know how there's there's definitely bad naked? Yeah. The, it's a friendly exposure. Remember I told you I used that phrase in therapy when it was when you said you're afraid of being institutionalized because you've seen the trailer of Girl Interrupted. Yeah. And I said it's I laughed because it felt like a friendly exposure. It's a friend I'm gonna put the dog in because I'm having an unfriendly exposure. And anyway, my my therapist Jennifer, who I always mention, um, said that that's a really good phrase for your relationship. Friendly exposure. It's like it does kind of fill a gap. That is a thing when you're like, "Hey, I know you. I I see uh, I see your psychology in this moment. Oh my god! And I'm lovingly pointing it out, not even to challenge or change it, just to show that you are not alone in your own psyche. This is this is it comes up a lot, but it's one of the reasons I like roasts. I think on paper, someone who does like kindness and literally for hours will replay because when I was on our street waiting for our gate to open, someone honked at me and Leela was right. So it's our tiny little street. Yeah. Honks at me and the baby's asleep in the car. And I got so mad. I, this is not a surprise to anyone that listens to the show. I had to replay it for so long. That's how, but it bothered me how upset I was. Yeah. Why would I like roast? Like, it seems like I just want to keep everything padded and nice. Yeah. But the truth is, like, contained places where you can have familiar exposures uh-huh. is, a, is a really interesting phenomenon. Yeah. It's like how my family was. When my Uncle Larry, the late great Uncle Larry, would come over for th- Thanksgiving or Christmas, whichever it was, um, that year, he would roast the hell out of my dad. And I never saw my dad, one, be the butt of a joke. Yeah. My dad will... I have a very vivid memory of my dad. I think I was like 16. I haven't told you this. There's not a lot of stories I haven't told you. Yeah. And we went to this place called Little Vinny's in, uh, I think it's in Somerville. And um, we're eating in the back. It's like a deli. And then in the back, there's like, it's real Italian. Like, it's real. It's really good, too. Yeah. Um, But, you know, it's the little ethnic, you know what I mean, Italian, but like hard to find Italian grocer's market. Uh And in the back, uh, four or five, six tables. And we're sitting there, and my dad, it's like Christmas, and it's or Christmas Eve, we're going out shopping, because my family always used to shop for my mom on Christmas Eve. My dad did the same thing, yeah. I he find did. that... And then he would pay me 20 bucks to write, wrap the presents. We would get the person at Barnes & Nobles, <laughs> I had the second S for fun, uh, uh-huh. to wrap it. Wow. It was such a scam that we got away with it. 
Yeah. I'm going I am going to jump around but I won't forget the little little Vinny little story. Vinny's. There's something about remember how we said the president is the dad of the country. Mm-hmm. So we've been watching The West Wing and there are all these moments where Martin Sheen, President Bartlett, there are these moments where he he always goes above and beyond. Mm-hmm. Meaning if Paige, our wonderful assistant, texts me like, here's the document. You wanted to return that uh, stereo. Um, they returned it. Here's the store credit. The document's attached. I'll just go ahead and write back, thank you. Yeah. I'll never open that document. I'll just be like, thank you for taking care of it. Part of me just wants to avoid paperwork, avoid thinking, avoid any extraneous sort of effort. Sure. President Bartlett is like, no matter how benign the thing is, yeah. it's like we had the specs on the Christmas trees for the lobby to the, to the white house. He's like, leave them on my desk. He always wants to look at it. Yeah. And that is the feeling of like the perfect dad. Like it, it's only like a TV president, yeah. I sure. imagine. And only a TV dad could always have the energy yeah. to go that one. I don't remember what brought that up. Do you? Uh, the, you, it was Christmas Eve at Little Vinny's. Oh, and then you have my dad and your dad taking a shopping on Christmas Eve. Yeah. There's just something very not President Bartlett about it. Yeah. And this'll kill you too. Sorry, dad, to out you, but he, but they know this. Uh, I mean, both parents know this. He would take me so that I could tell him what to buy. Oh, sure. You're like, you've been with this person for... 10 more years than I was. (laughs) I'm a bad gift giver, but I learned a lot from you. And all I can say, and I say it as often as it comes up, just write it down. The difference between a comedian and a funny person is a comedian writes it down. The difference between a good gift giver and someone who sometimes thinks of good gifts but then forgets them is the good gift giver wrote them down in March that you casually mentioned something. It it doesn't it's not as hard as it seems when you realize you have an app on your phone but that's president bartlett yeah. that's why he's he's like i think he's a seven he's a real enthusiast about everything he yeah. wants a weighted blade and that's us at our best yeah I, sorry now i'm really jumping all over the place but i was thinking about how pixar movies or any movie but mm-hmm. especially pixar movies are so beautiful and like woody will be running on a wood floor or a tile floor but no matter what it's always reflective they never mm. waste the opportunity to have his mirrored image mm. stepping on his feet as he's walking. That's cool. And I was thinking about that. I was like, for us, so movies simulate dilated pupils mm-hmm. and, uh, and a present person, a person who's open mm. to reality that can see all of, all of what's happening, all the light, all yeah. the detail. So when you're really dropping anchor into the present moment, you might notice your reflection in a floor that you wouldn't sure. have if you were too lost in your mind. So a movie, it's, a, it's too difficult or it's exhausting or we forget or our brains are too conditioned to pay that much attention to reality all of the time. Right. But a movie, the lens does it for you. Yeah. A lens is literally like your eye, but we can open it up as much as we want and print it onto film that's going to contain all of the information or a good portion of the information and a, lot, a great deal more than you typically prioritize in your own field of vision. Yeah. And then it'll flatten it and put it up. And the flattening and the projecting of it gives you the luxury of sort of casually scanning an ordinary scene, but seeing the extraordinary that would usually be 
the prerequisite to see it would usually be being incredibly present and centered and calm. Wow. Isn't that fun? Yeah, that's so true. And I actually had, a, uh, you're reminding me that I had, um, it wasn't as in-depth in of that as that, but I had an experience where I was like, sometimes one of the ways I can access presence is to like imagine that I'm I'm on the couch back here watching what's happening in my That's eyes. perfect. That's exactly what I'm talking about. And while I was having that realization, I was also watching something with Leela. And so I was like, whoa, this is like double. Double. Yeah. You're second screening it. I was second when screening it. When you're watching TV, you're second screening it. Yeah. Cuz you're watching the information. So the Buddhists would say that all of the information then creates reality in your mind. Mm -hmm. But even the information is just sort of in your mind and, and it creates reality. And then in that reality, you're watching another thing that is another aggregate mm -hmm. of collected data flattened and presented as reality. Yeah. We call that TV. So it's an aggregate inside of an aggregate. Yeah. It's the Land O'Lakes lady. Yeah. But it's only two. You're, or, or unless on the TV they're watching TV and now there's... Three. Three. And yeah. if you're looking at your phone, there's four. So it's really just this like endless. Wow. But sometimes when I think about it this way, TV and storytelling, not to be too self-important. I know I'm involved in TV and storytelling, but I'm <laughs> look for eight months, nine months now, all of us have been nothing. We're just human beings. <laughs> yeah. I, I was thinking about TV last night and I won't forget the little Vinny story. Mm -hmm. I was thinking about it last night where I was like, this one of my beliefs that I do not hold firmly, but as a thought experiment, is that Michael Gunger line that I say all the time, if you were infinity, what game wouldn't you play? Yeah. So God is playing, God loves things by becoming them, mm -hmm. is something Richard Rohr says. Mm -hmm. And it became all these different humans, it became rocks, it became trees. Uh, not to stretch this out too much, but a tree isn't God, but a tree contains the spirit of God, meaning the energy, the pulse of God. Yeah. So God is playing dress up. Yeah. So God is making TV. God is making oh, theater. Sure. This is basically the point of Schenectady, New York. It's like, how can we make a stage bigger and more real? And he keeps buying stages that are bigger. This is a Charlie Coffin movie. Yeah. Stages that are bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger until finally he has a sound stage that's so huge it spans almost infinity and it's filled with apartment buildings that they close up but the actors keep acting inside even though no one can see them because he's like, that's what makes it art. Wow. It's not even for an audience. They just stay in character having a fight over a burnt turkey in their living room and no one gets to see it. And it's and a you're like, that's what we're doing. And that's what we're doing. That's such a cool idea. It's a brilliant idea and a difficult movie um, for a lot of people to sit through, but I found it very rewarding. That's so similar to a dream that I had. Let's just remember my dream. I'll tell you later. Okay. But can you help me remember what I was saying? I was saying, if life is play, oh, then the play, making a play, kind of like in Hamlet when they put on a play. Yeah. Is and I again I don't want to be too self uh, aggrandizing, but I mean all of us create story. Yeah. If you're writing a letter or a text or, or just talking just like to somebody, telling some or your friend about an awkward interaction you had at the grocery store. Precisely. Yeah. That is, I'm using holy in the sense that it's a return to the whole, yeah. meaning this is creation, and when the creation creates, we've made this point before. Right. You're mirroring the one thing we know. 
pretty sure, which is that you are a creation. You're, you're here. Yeah. And then you're making other things be here. Yeah. That creation is. And therefore <laughs> creation is good. Mm-hmm. Like if we're going with the idea that God is playing mm-hmm. and that doesn't mean sinister, it means dancing. Yeah. Nothing can exist unless it's said to exist in relation to something else. Yeah. So there's the void, as Buddhists say. Yeah. And it goes, I don't exist because I'm not existing in relation to anything. How I could think that, now we're using, you know, it's a metaphor. Yeah. So it, it, it chooses to exist. It loves to exist. It wants to exist. And it starts playing this. And then the playing starts playing. Mm-hmm. And now you're... We're back to you in your mind creating reality, and in the reality, there's a TV creating another reality. Yeah. But it doesn't seem that overwhelming. I'm just like, yeah, that seems pretty right. Yeah. Tell me your dream. I'll tell you uh, little Vinny's. Okay. Well, I was thinking I was tired today. I'm ready to fucking go, dude. You sure are. I'm sorry. Am I talking too much? No, it's very interesting. Um, I I think this is the right order because my my dream kind of had something to do with this. And it, it actually wasn't, I don't know if you if it was legally a dream <laughs> um because i was last night leela just really a had rough a one. rough one and so i was there was maybe two hours in the whole night where i was like legally asleep <laughs> mm. um but so i was like in this very weird kind of dreamy half awake half asleep state while she was like crawling all over me um but in that state, I kind of was having this thought that, like, the, the, I was, <laughs> of all things, what I was thinking of was that the micro matches the macro and more, more and more as you dig deeper, either looking closer into small things or looking closer at big things. I was saying that today because I was looking at the clouds and I was like, that's funny. I feel cloudy today. And I was like, some the, days it's just too obvious. The sky almost always matches how I feel. <laughs> well, we had an incredibly clear day yesterday in LA and uh-huh. I was, we were both just kind of going around feeling yeah. sharp and clear. And I was like, I can see everything. And today was a little bit cloudy. Yeah. And I was like, that's how I feel. What the fuck is going on? I here? know. What's going I don't mean that's always gonna be true or it has to be true for that to be amazing. It just seems like a little wink. Absolutely. And and just like obviously even on levels that you and I can't understand, like quantum physicists are finding that just like the way that the universe behaves is also the way that like molecules behave. Right. Um so with that, I was like so yeah, we really are like cells, which we've can, we've talked about that before. Like, imagine we're like set cells. And I was like, it's so interesting. Like, if a cell probably a cell in my body became uh, capable of like got the tools to look more and more at its surroundings, it would eventually reach a nerve or like a bone. Or uh, skin. And so I was like, what if we were like the more and more we are able to look further and further out into the universe, like we just hit a big bone and we realize that we are a cell in a body. That's a cell in another body. That's a cell in another body and a body, you know. Yeah. Or while we're zooming in more and more on subatomic particles, we like see the shape of a human (laughs) Yeah, I think. I mean, I'm not saying it's been done. I'm saying the idea that you would look in and see a planet. They yeah, did, they did on a Simpsons Halloween episode where Lisa has a diorama, 
Mm-hmm. And she and it grows humans, and she becomes their god. Oh, that's cool. Basically, but I yeah. think that was retelling like a. a cla- I I feel like that's Gulliver's travels and the idea of there being something like us that's smaller. Yes, and you're also saying there could be something like us that's bigger. yeah. I guess that's the more novel idea. Like, of course, I've seen those things too. But like, I just thought like if you're zooming out into the universe and you like hit. What oh, we're Bubba. like, this is exactly the makeup of a nerve in our own body. Right. And points to the fact that we are also a body, in a body. Right. It's why, like, by the way, I was not trying to oh, explain away your, your brilliant thought. I think that's why we love crop circles. We love those Native American gigantic eagles that were painted. I believe they were Native American. They might be Peruvian or something like that, but like giant eagles that you have to be in a, an airplane to see. And you're like, but they couldn't get up that high. Whoa. So they were painting it on a rock for the gods to see, but they would never see it. But now we can see it. And wow. it is a perfect painting of an eagle. That's cool. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is what I'm saying. When you're tuned in and you're Jed Bartlett, mm-hmm. loving the weight of a knife... Or you're so present that you see your own reflection in the tile of your bathroom. Yeah. Life is in- incredible. I, it, and when you're not, which is so much of the time, I just want to say. Yeah. Or that's not a flaw. That's pulling the bowstring back for the next time that's going to hit you. Yeah, that's right. That's not a flaw. That's part of it, too. That's part of the mystery. You can't have it. You can't have it the other way. Yeah. I Two things that makes me think of. I... Um, this is so obvious, but like right now, because I am feeling good and I have been feeling good for a couple weeks now, uh, I love this. Like, I love exploring all of this stuff and kind of being like, whoa, this is nuts. Yeah. Like, what I love that I clearly am not meant to know the mysteries of this existence. I find that literally wonderful. Um, But when I was in a very existentially scary place, I really couldn't think about any of that because it was terrifying. Neither could I. And I was just next to you. Yeah. I was getting a contact high. Yeah. Or contact low. I was getting a contact low. So it's just, it's the whole thing about like to somebody who wears shoes, the whole world is leather. No, if you wear leather sandals, the whole world's covered in leather. Yes. That's one of the things um, Ram Dass is. Teacher, not his guru, but he had a teacher in India taught him that. Uh, and I, and that it's such an easy epiphany. I mean, it's not even they an have epiphany, to be, but it's like, oh, when I'm, I just keep coming back to this. It's like just remember, when you're scared, the world is scary. When you are, when you are connected <laughs> and light filled, the world is light filled. That's right. It so. The world is not either of those things, necessarily. That's right. It's just your own mindset. You don't have to be... Well, that's why you don't have to be... You don't have to be worried that that is true. Like, don't cling to... Don't take it so personally. Don't take it so personally. Don't identify with it. That's right. I was feeling anxious today, and it was for no reason other than I had two uh, espressos, and I hadn't eaten anything... And I took leave for like an hour drive to get her to fall asleep. And during the drive, I just noticed I was anxious. Yeah. And I wish I had, we had talked about this earlier because the way I would have phrased, I said something similar to myself, excuse me, but the way I would have phrased it was just because you're anxious 
doesn't mean there's anything to be scared about. Yes. Just because you're scared doesn't mean there's anything to that's be scared what, about. That's what I need to write down. Actually, I need to be, uh, I'm going to record a voice memo for myself. So anybody who's going through any kind of PTSD, uh, it's like a great idea to record a voice memo for yourself when you're not having an episode just to be like, hey, it's me. I've been through this. I can't, I always come back. I've thought about doing that for psychedelics. Yeah, like, I think that's a great idea too. But I, I always didn't do it because I thought it would freak me out if it was my own voice being like, yeah, hi, sure. I'm you and you'll be okay. Yeah. I've guided other people through trips. You're you know, great at that. I, I really appreciate that. I'm sorry to agree. It's not pride. It's just a track record of excellent <laughs> results. Uh-huh. I'm very funny to people who are on LSD, and I'm, I think I'm good at calming them down. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the reasons why I'm good at drugs. Mm-hmm. Um, that I do very... And now I feel like with Leela, I want to stress this. I do very small amounts of LSD very, very, very infrequently. Yes. And, yeah. and every time, it's not like I'm planning on doing it again. It's something that comes into my life. It happens, but it's not like, it's not a must. It's something I enjoy. Yeah. Um, but I remember a friend of ours was t- took some mushrooms or something and she was having, she was the only one on them, which is sort of like a weird situation. Yeah. And we were on the beach and she was like, I feel weird. I feel really weird. And she sounded scared. And it was, yeah, she was scared. Yeah. And I was like, you're normal. You feel normal all of the time. Yeah. Just feel weird. Yeah. I promise you'll come back. Yeah. Can you just... Life can be so boring, always kind of feeling together. Be all knocked apart. Yeah. Just be all knocked apart. Just if I can guarantee it. you'll come back, can yeah. you enjoy it? And like, she started laughing. Yeah, and you and you had her listen to uh, the um, James Taylor song, The Friend. You've Got a Friend. Yeah, you've got a friend. Right. Yeah. You're fine. Yeah. Where can you go? But I wouldn't say this to her because she wasn't religious, but where could you go that God is not? If something is, you're okay because you're the, fine. That's what it is. I And that's what I am trying to remember for the next time I'm having a PTSD moment. It's like this, because the feeling is, if I lean into this, I... I will get completely pulled in and I will never come back. Yeah. And to me, in this state of mind, I totally see how that's just completely not true. Valerie, but it feels I get it. so true on a cellular level in those moments. And really, it's, like, it's the resistance of the thing that is making the suffering. So really, it's so counterintuitive when you're having like a panic attack to lean into the panic. Yeah. Because you think, like, that's going to push me over the edge. But the resisting, the, like, swimming upstream is what is causing the panic. That's right. And that could be said of, like, forget PTSD. That could be said of any emotion. When you swim upstream, that's where the bears are. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. The bears are going to catch you. And that's row, row, row your boat gently down the stream. Down the stream. Yeah. With the water. Just just... open to it and allow it because you think it's the feeling that's making you suffer, but it is the resistance to the feeling. And this is some real premium shit that, (laughs) that Jennifer, my therapist, gave me. She's like, if you can't meet, if you cannot be friendly towards the feeling, 
be friendly towards your resistance to the feeling. Mm. Like, don't resist your resistance. That's just another thing to resist. Wherever you can, whatever yeah. your entry point. Wherever you can draw point, the line. Yeah. yeah. Where your entry point for friendliness is, find that. Start being friendly there. Yeah. I love that. I, I've been listening to East Forest, which is a, a band. It's a person. I think it's a person, yeah. I don't know. Do you call Moby a band? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been listening to East Forest. And he, uh, I, I recommend him. It's great ambient. It's not really ambient, but it's it's the kind of music I like to work to or read to or just hang out to. It, it, it's it largely instrumental, yeah? But or then he puts in a lot of um, quotes, like mm-hmm. speakers. Mm-hmm. And one of them is Ram Dass, And there's this Ram Dass one where he's like, when you have a negative thought, a thought that just isn't going to take you anywhere good. And for me because I like to pay attention. We all do, but I I like to really, as closely as I can, catalog my mind. I'm not Mm -hmm. writing it down anywhere, but I'm like, oh, there's that thought. There's that dark thought. There's Mm -hmm. my fear. There's whatever. But he just says, like, don't resist it. Just love it. Mm -hmm. Just love your darkness. Yeah. And I found that, I know we've said things like this on this podcast before, but I'll have a thought, the worst thought. Uh, what, where's Val? She's not back yet. And I don't have to fill in the blank. Yeah. You start worrying. Yeah. Something's happened. You, it, it sounds so counterintuitive, but you just love, thank you, anxiety. You've yeah. done such a good job. You're here to help. Yeah. Thank I you, love mind. You. You're trying thank you, mind. to protect I, me. I see what you're doing. You're trying yeah. to keep me alert. I appreciate it. And and you love it. Yeah. And it, it really does help it to yeah. go away. Um, oh, go ahead. You have a thing. No, I won't forget. I have little Vinnies in the New Yorker story. Yeah, I really want to hear those things, but that just made me think of... But we're out of time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Sharon Salzberg talks about... It's like the Rumi poem that I've read on this podcast maybe more than once. Um, But she talks about just like greeting everything at the door and welcoming them in, but with the distinction of... You are a visitor here and you're welcome to come in and sit down. You don't own the house now. This right. isn't your house. That's right. Uh, and like making that boundary. That's like in the Family Stone where they invite Sarah Jessica Parker in and they have dinner. Yeah. But when she starts saying some ignorant stuff, they draw the line and they yeah. go, that's enough. Yeah. Yeah. But you, because you're a guest. Yeah. Anxiety can come in if it'll take off its shoes. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. And that's what's there. They're does become like distinctions with this because I would say you're pretty safe to do that, to lean into any kind of feeling if you are truly experiencing it in the body where it gets tricky or just a little bit more complicated. I think in general with a broad stroke, what we're saying is you almost always true, uh, except for there is a difference between leaning into a feeling or an experience and Leaning into a thought, meaning giving that uh, ultimate authority. Yeah. Like you don't want to lean into a thought being like, okay, so I am, I am, uh, unlovable. If you want to love that thought and allow it, but you don't want to lean into that thought, meaning giving it so much. You don't want it to sit in the driving seat, but no thought can be in the driving seat. So this is in the East Forest song, too. He goes, Ram Dass says, remember the witness, which is what we're talking about. 
yeah. the impartial presence that's watching the thoughts. Yeah. Ramdas would say the witness is part of the soul, and the soul loves everything. Yeah. Not just every person, but everything. It loves everything. Yeah. And it, that doesn't mean it likes everything necessarily. Sure. But it's just it just is love. Yeah. So it just accepts and allows everything. Yeah. Like you do in a dream. Yeah. When I'm in a dream. It's easier to allow it because I know it's not real. Right. But um, no thought can sit in that chair. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have the right... It does, it's not wearing the wedding garment. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So so I think that, you know, you have a thought like, I'm unlovable. You just allow it and say, okay, I hear you. And then try to take it as a cue to drop down into the reaction that your body is inevitably having at a thought like that. Hmm. And you can... Oh, you can open into that thought, that feeling. Um, the other thing is, I was just reminded of Maitri practice in Buddhism, which I, I'm not an expert on, but um, the practice is, it's a practice of just becoming really aware of your own mental patterns and emotions, just like your inner world, basically. But what, I, what really struck me this time when I was reading about it was that the part, and this is from Pema Chodron, the purpose is not for self-improvement. And I just really reflected on that because I still can be using, I still will use my spiritual practice as like, let's identify the sticky points in my patterns so that we can fix them. Hmm. What is broken about me and needs fixing? I just default to that mentality. Mm. And of course the Buddhists don't want you to do that because that is grasping and aversion. That's a practice of uh, resisting what is actually arising and grasping onto an idea of yourself without that pattern. Mm. And, and Buddhists, of course, the main thing about Buddhism is that all suffering comes from Attachment and the two main attachments are grasping and aversion. Mm. So the practice of Maitri is to not try and fix anything that you see because there's also uh, embedded in that is a belief that that is you. Right. Otherwise, why do you, why would you care? Right. Um, so instead it is being like, no, I am not these visitors. I am the house and greeting each one with unconditional friendliness is the yeah. phrase she uses. That's what I'm saying. If you picture Captain Picard's chair on the Enterprise, the only thing that can sit in the chair is the awareness. Yeah. And other thoughts are always trying to nudge in or they congeal into an ego and it sits in the chair. Yeah. But really, even if it sits in the chair, it's sitting on the awareness. It's just smothering the awareness. Yeah. So you sort of have to find that inner authority to be like, it's just, what were you worried about a year ago? You know, like mm-hmm. if these thoughts are who we are, how come I can't hold on to any of them? You know what I mean? Yeah, like that's they right. keep changing and they keep going away and they're different. Yeah. And when I was a kid, I was worried about whether or not I'd have a quarter to put in the uh, turn toy machines on the way out. That was like my big issue. Yeah. I remember Melanie and I, when we started making um, more money, I know it, it's sort of gauche. I don't even mean tons of money. I just mean when we were young and we first started making a little bit of money, uh-huh. we were like, oh my God, $20 is the new $5. Like yeah. 
But the reason I'm mentioning that is $5 used to mean this to you. And anybody can relate to this. You don't have to be fancy comedian boys. Yeah. You see everything shift. And then yeah. you care about your mortgage or you care about your promotion. But yeah. it's the same you, as caring about where your Nerf ball is or your favorite PJs. Your favorite PJs are just uh, your car now and yeah. <laughs> or whatever it is. You acclimate. And, and it, it's covered in the doc, the Happy documentary that you'll acclimate to money. But I don't even know if, if they say this, but I've found that it's like you've probably had similar levels of anxiety, joy, like if you looked at your own pie chart, it's probably hasn't changed drastically throughout your whole life, unless there's been tragedy, of course. Uh, but even then, you probably react or great success or great success. Well, they do that with people that win the lottery. They check in with them five years down the road, and they're like, "My life is the same." Yeah, it's. I brief. have a four hundred dollar haircut, but my life is the same. Yeah, and. Uh, and in a lot of ways, it's cliche, but they're like, it's worse because I lost some friends and yeah. people wanted to borrow money. And like now I, you know, I'm a dragon now. I have money in a castle, but I'm alone. Yeah. And I recently had that realization with my anxiety where I was like, boy, I, I used to just be so steady and I didn't have all this anxiety until I had Leela and and my trauma like resurfaced. Not and because I of Leela. It was work. just that's what happened when. Yeah. When I got pregnant, um, because I was, I think, in my body for the first time. So, uh, I, but then I remembered I had so much anxiety. I was always stressed out about, like, what am I meant to do? I'm wasting my days. How am I supposed to spend my life? And then I would, you know, get stoned and I wouldn't feel anxious until I would laid in bed. And remember how I saw I had to go to a cardiologist because I would lay in bed and my heart would start racing and I thought something was wrong with my heart. Yeah. And because it was just like a Western medicine dude, he didn't, it was, he did all these <sighs> tests and nothing was wrong. And I only in hindsight was like, oh, that was my backlogged anxiety. Right. Just like coming out. No, I remember being, when we first started living together, we've talked about this before, but being a little bit further down the road than you were, mm -hmm. being like, yeah, you can even find your purpose and you'll still, yeah, you'll still notice there's still weeds in the garden. Yeah. And that's why the only game in town is to recognize that you are the thing witnessing the thing witnessing the weeds. Uh, because yeah. there's, it's like, Jesus says the poor will always be amongst you sort of thing. Yeah. He's sort of saying like, um, I don't know if you're going to be able to turn this into a utopia, but you're going to be able to recognize your source, mm. which is a much more eternal and interesting game yeah. because we are in the a realm of duality. So yeah. as long as you have a first place winner, you have a runner up and you have a loser. That's just like what's happening. Yeah. I was thinking... Because I take the weekends, or I have been, I want to talk a little bit, I want to bring it to earth a little bit, because I noticed that my access to these feelings and these thoughts and this clarity is so rooted in my ability to um, flow in my human purpose. Yeah. So, for example, on the weekend, I'll take, I'll put my phone in a drawer that's a great thing to do. Your, your child's only two. You're in quarantine. Your wife's here. It's a little bit easier. Um, and I, I, 
suddenly on somewhere midday Sunday, I realized I just have so little anxiety. Wow. But then I was like, but wait, I didn't have a cell phone for 19 years. Yeah. And I had problems. Yep. I didn't have like no problems. So it's not the phone. Yeah. And it's not even putting away the phone. Yeah. It's getting yourself to a place internally where you have the will to put away the phone. Sure. And as Richie Rohr would say putting the phone away just occasioned a good feeling that was there anyway. I stopped blocking it with other screens and stuff. Yeah. But the good feeling probably even predated the good feeling. It's like going on a hike makes me feel good. But really what I'm looking for is the will to go on a hike. Yeah. You have to kind of be in a good place. That's the or a really bad place. Or really, sometimes you have to force yourself. Yeah. So I was thinking about that really dark time in my life, which was during, it was like the majority of the second season of Crashing, HBO's Crashers. Um, <laughs> and I just remember, I sometimes have that feeling for a couple of days or maybe a week. And that was just the longest I had had it. Yeah. And it was really, it was a crisis of, um, not faith, but a crisis of, uh, like a midlife crisis, a quarter life crisis. I don't know what you call it. It was a crisis. Uh-huh. Because there I was at the peak of a mountain that I wanted to get to, and I was still dealing with the same things everyone listening and you and I yeah. have always dealt with. Yeah. And I was like, fuck, it's it's not the answer. And I was like, okay, Pete, if that happened again, which it might, and like I said, it does happen for a week or whatever, mm-hmm. what do you do? Mm-hmm. And there is a time when you go... You need to read books. You need to go on hikes. You need to force yourself to go on a hike. Go alone. Sometimes the pressure for me is I don't want to go on a hike with somebody else because I don't want them to see me give up or I don't want to, I don't know, that's me. I'm like, just just take anything else out of it that makes it difficult. And for me, even chatting with you, and I love you more than myself or anything, Mm -hmm. that can complicate it. So Mm -hmm. fuck it, Pete. You need to do this. You need to go on, let's just say a walk, yeah. not even a hike. Yeah. And you need to listen to the things that matter to you. Mm-hmm. Listen to Ramdas, listen to Alan Watts, listen to some fiction, watch some documentaries, be quiet, get some rest. For me, I've, I've uh, recently re, we talked a couple of weeks ago about how I've been, was eating some chicken. We ate some chicken and I just came back. And it wasn't even for the fun of flashing your vegan badge and feeling superior, which I'll concede is one of the perks of being a vegan. It was just going like, fuck, I've spent 41 years trying to dial in the exact diet that makes me feel good. And it just so happens that raw vegan food makes me feel better. So feeling bad, I would go back to that guy and be like, Let's let's eat some, get some green juice, get some smoothies, go on some hikes, read some books, get some quiet, all that sort of stuff. And do those, we talked about it last week, do those affirmations. Mm-hmm. Look at yourself in the mirror and tell yourself how proud you are. Mm-hmm. Um, all that sort of stuff. So, Because what I'm saying is these conversations are great. And you had your episode and I, I had my version of it, which was different. Mm-hmm. It's good to remember, here's what happened. So today, I finally, I'm writing a movie and I got notes back. I've been waiting a long time. Yeah. I feel like I've joked before, show business is slow business. And the quarantine, it's not my line. The the quarantine is adding like six months yeah. to everything. Yeah. So something that already would have taken six months now takes a year, it mm-hmm. feels like. Yeah. So I finally got some positive feedback on an outline. And then on my drive with Lee, 
I was just able to have thoughts like, wow, a movie is like a present lens that is easier for us to take in because we have more time looking at the flat image. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I just can't stress enough how taking care of your purpose and having some sort of um, mission statement for your life, as stupid as that sounds, can be so helpful. This is why I love Ryan Holiday. This is why I love Tim Ferriss. This is why I love Tony Robbins. I know he's had some things. But like those guys that can remind you, like... It's cool to know what you're about yeah. and to like Tony Robbins is really good at going like, what do you want? And people will be like, I want a billion dollars. And, and then he'll be like, why? And it's like, well, if I had a billion dollars, I could have a garden. And then it's like, well, you'd probably be really interested in like uh, gardening. Yeah. You might want to yeah. try and be a person that designs gardens for people because that would get you in a garden. Right. Because I take issue with that parable. Sometimes I think about it where it's like some guy is fishing and just drinking beers with his friends all day. Mm-hmm. And then a Westerner comes in and is like, you should get a job. And he's like, why? He's like, well, you can work for, and make money. He's like, why? Because then you can retire. You go on longer. And then he's like, why? When you retire, you can do whatever you want. And he's mm-hmm. like, well, I want to fish and drink beer with my buddies. Yeah. That's fine if it's written on your marrow to drink beer and fish with your buddies. Right. But motherfucker, if there's a, uh, I don't want to say a bigger, if there's a different charge Mm -hmm. in your belly and you want to carve a totem in Alaska, (laughs) family stone, or you want to write a book or you want to open a school or you really want to see what Machu Picchu looks like, do that. Like fucking do it. Like knowing what you want and doing it even though it's Maya, even though it's illusion, yeah. even though it's just the play of God, it fuels... The, it's easier for me to open my hand the more things I get that I want, as strange yeah. as that sounds. Sure. Because I get them and I go, it's not that, it's just play, it's just dance, but it one informs the other. You wouldn't yeah. think that. Yeah. Or I wouldn't think that. It sounds mm-hmm. counterintuitive to me. Yeah, no, I think that makes sense. It's It's... Uh, positioning yourself in in a receiving position, so like that's changing your mindset. I become it's, an inlet. Yeah, it's yeah. what what are you giving your attention and intention to, which has like some woo woo, you know, like secret vibes, but it also is just makes sense, like neurologically. It's like you're a, an antenna, either set to out or set to in. Yeah, it, it seems like we have that. That's why. I've said this a million, but like the weekends without my phone, I'm not waking up and immediately responding to other people's demands on me. I'm waking up and letting the embers of who I am slowly build into a fire and and warm and light and heat whatever I want to warm and light and heat yes. before I go, should I unsubscribe to this, uh, to this gold belly email? Yeah. Like, don't waste those early moments. That's why I feel like... There's things in the Bible about giving God your first like yeah. fruits of the day. And I was like, there's something to be said. Yeah. But then part of giving the universe credence is, I think, honoring what is in your heart. I, f- I feel like a real greatest generation old timer <laughs> being like, there's something to be said about like, I'm going to work at this because yeah. when I crack through all of that spiritual stuff that 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 has been ruminating mm-hmm. 
gets energized by the whole experience. It's life force. It's, it's life creation. force. That's right. There's one, only, there's one life force. There's one life force, and we all have access to it in different ways. So there's like, you know, we're made of bone and breath. So we're earth and spirit. Uh, so on the spirit level, having a purpose is like a, saying a big yes to life and opening up your channel and being like, yes, life, I will, you beautiful, invisible mystery, I will collaborate with you, you may run through me. And on a body, bone, animal level, we only survived ever because we had a sense of purpose to find food, to find shelter, to procreate, like we had our purposes and we had our assignments and we all contributed to that. So it feels so good on every level of yeah. our makeup to have a purpose. It's like flow is flow is flow. Yeah. Whatever's flowing, that's the flow. Yeah. And it can just be, I want to open an Arby's franchise or whatever it might be. Yes. That's the flow. And it's, and it's now it's passing through you and you're not blocked. And in that flow comes philosophical things and metaphysical things and all these different wonderful things. Mm-hmm. What we're saying is what a lot of greats, <laughs> not to say we're greats, a <laughs> lot of greats have wrestled with this. Yeah. The separation between the sacred and the profane. And Alan Watts has this book called This Is It. This is a great title. And um, meaning this is it. <laughs> I love book titles that are, it's like Richie Rohr's book, just this. Or saying the same thing. Gungi's book, This. this. Yeah. <laughs> so I always want him to do another book called That. <laughs> and then the third is the other. Um, but uh, but uh, he's, he, the first page of that book is the most perfect first page of a book ever. And he's basically making the argument that like eating a sandwich or going to a church or, or this or that, like it's our mind separating the world into holy and unholy is what makes things holy and unholy. And the clear, spacious eye can allow it can allow it all. Yes. It's really fun. And it's like, of course it's you eating this sandwich right now, Kevin. If there's a Kevin eating a sandwich right now, we're blowing. <laughs> One <laughs> salt and vinegar chip falls yeah. from his chapped lips. But it's like, of course it's me here talking to you. What else could it be? I, so I've been rocking Lee to bed at night. And anybody listening, if you like this, you can do it with any mystical figure you like. And he's, you can do it with Joan of Arc. I don't care. <laughs> But like, Joan of Arc would be a great choice. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. I sounded dismissive. Hey. <laughs> I really like Joan of Arc. Um, I, I say to myself, Christ is no less available to me than he was to the apostles in this moment right now. Yeah. Because where else could it be? Right. The whole thing is here. Yeah. It's like one jar of honey and the bubbles take all these different shapes. Yeah. And then the bubbles start going like, well, we're... 2020 where the 20 21st century bubbles yeah but it's all the same honey right so like anything that was is the same stuff mm-hmm. and i might not be able to like catch him a fish or touch the hem of his garment but what he really was is no less available to me than it was to the apostles yeah i mean that one that's cool That'll sink your sink your wanger right into a cake. <laughs> I've always wanted to do that. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. Uh, well, let's get you a cake. <laughs> I know. We can buy an Albertson's cake. I don't want it warm. It's not a sex thing. Mm, okay. <laughs> it's a food thing. I'm with it's you. It's a food thing. Um, okay, so I don't remember why I was saying this. I'll air my grievance with the New Yorker. Okay. 
So they they had a caption contest, and they were getting past cartoonists, comedians, whatever it might be. I don't know what my credential was, but we're friendly. And it's it's they wanted captions, and I hope I'm not spoiling it. But it was a man talking to his therapist, and his therapist is, is Santa Claus. And I submitted five captions. Yeah, they were all great. And I was very proud of them. I was very manic. I was like I am now. And I just thought of like five captions. Mm -hmm. And then I realized the one that's going to win, mark my words, (laughs) it's going to win, is how I wrote it was, I saw mommy kissing you. Mm -hmm. That's the winner. And I submitted that. (laughs) But then I was a fool and submitted five others. And I knew someone else, like all the caption contest winners for The New Yorker, Uh hundreds of people submit that caption. Wow. Because it's the right caption. Right. And here's my other fun fact. It's often the caption that the artist intended because they don't submit cartoons for the caption contest. They submit finished cartoons and they say this would be a good one for the caption contest. They remove the caption. Often the one that wins is the one that the artist intended because it's perfect. Wow. And when someone wins it, they aren't the only one that submitted it. So in the same vein, I was like, the winning one is I saw mommy kissing you. Yeah. And I was a fool and also submitted, now bring us the figgy Prozac, (laughs) which I'm not saying isn't more clever. (sighs) It is. (laughs) I would even say in a certain swirling cognac by the walk-in fireplace in the New Yorker offices, it is kind of better in that it's like clever. Uh Uh-huh. Figgy Prozac. Yeah. I'm just mad that if I had only sent... The one that you said was the best, by the way. Uh-huh. I saw mommy kissing you. Yeah. We wouldn't be having this conversation. I'd just be telling you that I was going to win. And I would bet lots of money that that is going to win. So let me let me just make sure I'm clear on this. You think because you also sent other ones, then I know. if it comes down, why does that change it? And how do they decide if multiple people send the same caption? How do they pick which one? I'll tell you how they pick. So I I submit five. One of them is I saw mommy kissing you. Then three other people, let's say, also submit some version uh-huh. of I saw mommy kissing you. I, I bet they I would wager that it won't be that exact wording, but maybe it would be. Yeah. So they're going to go, well, Pete submitted it and so did this person. But this person only submitted that one. So we'll give it to them and we'll go with one of Pete's other ones. Do you want to hear my other ones? Yeah, wait, we'll go with one of Pete's other ones, meaning what? Now bring us the figgy for No, but go with it, like, isn't there just one winner? No, there's only one submission per person. Oh, I see. So I gave them five. I see, okay. okay, okay. I'm sorry if I wasn't clear. The problem is I don't believe in myself. That's not very good. (laughs) Um, Oh, wait, I saw mommy kissing you. That's all I did? Those three? I don't believe in myself. I saw mommy kissing you. Figgy Prozac. Oh, I didn't send it, but was one that I really liked was my father doesn't even my father doesn't even approve of the Yuletide being gay. <laughs> These are all good. Yeah, great. Figgy Prozac is I, gonna hang there like a heavy, buoyant uh, fart oh. in the middle of this contest. And I'm calling it now. Please vote for me. I'm pretty sure if you go to the New Yorker's Instagram, we can swarm this 
and steal Figgy Prozac and have it be the winner, knowing that I also said, I, I kind of like that gay one. Will you, find, <laughs> will you find out what your submission is before you find out who won? I know it's Figgy Prozac. What do you, how do you know that? They told me. Oh. Thanks for these submissions. We're, we're going to run with, now bring us the Figgy Prozac. Oh. I'm sorry, maybe the story wasn't clear to anybody. I then replied, I really think I Saw Melanie Kissing You was better. Uh-huh. And they said, um, we love that one too, but someone else submitted something similar. Oh, okay. I was was, really just wondering how you knew this so, so specifically. (laughs) You know, if I could do it all again, I'd just submit one. Or I now I want to write back. This is part of my problem. Is like I get I get flared up for new things and and uh, exciting. I get excited about new ideas and. Part of me, even now as we're talking, is like, is it too late to change it to my father didn't even approve of the Yuletide being gay? I think Figgy Prozac is fantastic, and I wouldn't be so sure that that one's not going to win. I understand. I know exactly what it is. New Yorker captions, to me, have, like, very visceral flavors. And now Bring Us the Figgy Prozac is like a, a dry cookie that's sweet and as you swallow it, you get a hint of lemon. Yeah, I know exactly what cookie you're referencing. <laughs> Those cookies don't win caption contests. Like the ones that come in the tin with the little paper Sure. Oh, yeah, there's... little crinkly white yes. baskets. Uh-huh. And it's so loud you can't sneak one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, everyone, everyone in the house knows you're having a second cookie, <laughs> Dale. Um, <laughs> I forget what I was saying. Uh you you know the visceral. Oh, I saw mommy kissing you is a bright macaroon, like a red strawberry cream macaroon. Yeah, yeah. That any knucklehead. Here's the benefit of it. It's not that smart. Yeah. Um, meaning, I think a lot of people would come up with that. Yeah. But that's the thrill. It's like when you pitch something. You kind of want to pitch something, like a TV show, uh-huh. you want to pitch something that the person buying it would also pitch. So it can't be too nuts. Yeah. Unless you're Spike Jones and people are like, you can do whatever you want. Otherwise, you sh- you'd do best to pitch a movie like The Hangover, great movie, but uh, you want them to think that that's an idea so good that they might have had it if they weren't so busy unsubscribing to Goldbelly emails all day. <laughs> episode brought to you by Gold Belly. Gold Belly is great. What is Gold Belly? Gold Belly is not a Pete's pick. <laughs> <laughs> this would be such a sneaky way to do Pete's oh picks. Oh my God. Yeah. Gold Belly, if you're interested, hit, hit me up. <laughs> yeah. But uh, what Gold Belly is good for is they'll ship you food from anywhere. Oh, that's cool. That sounds so simple, but if you want Franklin's... Zabar's. No, you go to Zabar's for Zabar's. Oh. It's for places that don't offer it. Ah. In fact, Zabar's, here's a, here's a Pete's tip. Yeah. If you want to blow someone's wanger off, yeah. send them a Zabar's gift, gift, basket. gift basket. Also a Russ, uh, uh, Russ and Daughters. But if you're going to do Russ and Daughters, you know what you're going to use? What? Gold Belly? Gold Belly, yeah. They must do it through Gold Belly, though, because I always go straight to their website. I'm pretty sure it redirects to Gold Belly. Yeah. Because if you want Franklin barbecue, if you want Philly cheesesteaks, 
Mm. Now, I know this sounds like an ad break. I'm really just telling you, that's a pretty dope gift yeah. to send someone. I don't know how well a Philly cheesesteak would make it, but you can get Philadelphia cheesesteaks shipped. Wow. Like like with dry ice, basically. We do it. I know I'm a vegan. One of the things I'll vegan cheat on is smoked salmon. Oh. And the it starts with a G. It's like... It's not gestalt, but it's something like that. Uh, There's only one smoked salmon at Russ and Daughters, which is a Lower East Side um, real Jewish deli. Are you talking about the sturgeon? We, well, we the sturgeon's also great. So good. The, the variety of smoked salmon starts with a G. That's, all, that's oh, the only tip you oh, need okay. to find it. I'm pretty sure it has a lot of sugar in it. Maybe not a lot, but it's got some. So good. It's so good. I'll eat it like Gollum. I'll yeah. eat it out of the <laughs> out of the deli thing. Yeah. That's my Lithuanian boy. Speaking of food, Little Vinny's. Little Vinny's. We were talking about how my dad is not the kind of dad you joke around with, really. Yes. Like, meaning my Uncle Larry. Well, I do miss him. He passed. Uh, yeah. He was on the Pete Holmes show. He had cancer. We did this really, I thought, touching send-off, telling cancer to basically go fuck itself yeah. by saying, wash my damn towels. <laughs> if you watch it back, I'm pretty sure he's stoned because that was one of the ways he was managing his pain, which only made him funnier and more delightful. Yes. I loved him. I love yeah. him. Yeah. Uncle Larry is no less available to me. Yeah. Um, other than I'd love to talk to him. <laughs> yeah. But um, he, he would roast the hell out of my dad. Yeah. The best thing that would happen is he'd tell a story... And then Uncle Larry would go back and be like, that's not what happened, you <laughs> son of a bitch. And my dad would start cry laughing before the D and happened. Like, yeah, we Holmes's me and my dad love being called out yeah. on our shit. And, and if you can catch me, here's a good example. We had a, we just had our fireplace put in. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had a fireplace for years, but it didn't work. Val did the research. We were like, oh, it's pretty simple to put a gas thing in here. We'll put a gas thing in. So Victor, our wonderful contractor, um, who we've known, he really is like family. We love him. Yeah. He plays with Leela. We talk for hours. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I sometimes will say things in Spanish to him because it's fun. Yeah. And then I was talking to him in Spanish. <laughs> There's a Pete's Pig babble to brush up on your Spanish. Yeah. And I'm using that Spanish. And I caught it. He sort of laughed at me. And then I walked in the garage. I'm skipping parts of the story. But I walked in the garage and I was like, oh, my God, am I? I, I'm so worried that he thinks I'm a heel. Yeah. Because I like sort of like I didn't do it a lot. It was like one line. Uh I was like, I'm that yutz. Uh-huh. He's working on our fireplace. What the? F- Stop trying to speak in Spanish when it's not called for. Yeah. Shut up. And but I, the thought was, I'm so worried he thinks I'm a yutz. And sitting right here, the relief and laughter that hit me when the thought came back, Pete. You are a yutz. <laughs> you're worried he's going to think you're a yutz. You're a yutz. Yeah. And that. So sometimes you can Uncle Larry yourself and be like, you are that guy. Yes. Come on. Yeah. Um, anyway, so we're at Little Vinny's. And my dad was eating pasta. I can do a great impression of my dad twirling his pasta. He goes like this. He loves it, like a, a like a wet inhale. Wow. <laughs> as he's getting ready to bite. <laughs> I crack my brother up with that. He goes... 
<laughs> and um, and then he ate it, and then he, as he's sort of chewing dad style, he goes, "God's perfect food," <laughs> meaning that's so weird. It's dad. so my dad, meaning pasta. Yeah. So uh, maybe that was like an appetizer. Then later our entrees come. I had linguine with clams, which again, not vegan, but I wasn't vegan at the time. And uh, I still love it sometimes. And I'm eating it and I take my first bite and I go, God's perfect food. <laughs> it's Christmas Eve. Yeah. How I'm old your, are you? I'm like 20. Okay. Like if Leela ever. Oh. Does an impression of me. Oh, my God. You're going to die. I'd like to think. But my dad gave me the look, usually reserved for prison wardens. Oh, my God. When they, like, catch a prisoner kind of going for the exit. He just gave. It wasn't a a scary look. It was just sort of like a watch it. And I was like, man. But I was. This is what I, I give these updates on this show where I'm like, it took so long. Now I'm 41. To get to the point where, like, I feel like I can push back. Oh. Meaning, if even if he gave me that look again, I'd go, What's the matter, Jay? You can't handle your son rabbing the old man? And yeah, then he'd start He laughing. would break, yeah. But you have to... You have to really such, lean into it and not be afraid. Because he's such a powerful... Again, West Wing. Yeah. When people push back to Bartlett and mm-hmm. they're like, you're out of your mind. Remember that scene? Uh-huh. And he respects it. My dad's similar. And if he yeah. smells fear and you kind of go back, yeah. I'm like, you got to double down and just be like, oh, Christopher Columbus, you did the earth a great service by bringing us back from the final land of China. Yes. He'd die. Because I've seen you recently... Like roast him on even kind of like heavier things, like I, misremembering. Yes, how, how much? I, yeah, he. he uh, w- that's a little but, too personal. Yeah, but just yeah, mis- what I was going to say is misremembering details you of could, your child. You'd catch him glazing over. Let's say yeah. I didn't argue with your mom that much, and I was like, "Really, Jay?" <laughs> yeah. And boy, that was one of the. I'm so glad you were there for that. That was one of yeah. the best moments we were of at my life. Dumbs. Where all of the training and expertise or whatever, practice, being a comedian, Mm -hmm. the ball was straight, it wasn't spinning, it was fast, and it was down the middle, and I had my bat, and I was like, I think I can do this. Yes. I think I can take this guy. Not take him, but like, I think I can not hide. Yes. And I roasted the hell out of him and my mom was there and my brother was there and you were there and I was like it wasn't that bad and like tore the roof down at Little Dom's yeah and boy one of the greatest thank you for making me helping me remember that the I would say the healing oh my god that was occurring in everyone's laughter on that it was one of the best moments was like palpable you could because, see it on my brother because my brother would get scared. Yep. He'd be like, don't say God's perfect food. I could feel it coming off of mm-hmm. him. And I was like, no, I'm calling myself off the bench. And my mom is laughing. She's she's a great laugher, but not, I wouldn't say an easy laugh. Yes. And boy, it was like a seal with a beach ball. Yeah. Not that my dad wasn't the beach ball. My dad was a co-conspirator in the laugh. He was part of it too, and it was yeah. joy. He was, it, it, the only reason everyone was laughing was because he was And laughing. the only reason, let's be honest, I'm still, I can still be scared of my dad for sure. I was looking 
very intently for those clues. Yes. This is the moment. Yes. You know, the tiramisu's on the way. Yeah. We've had our cranberry, soda water, and lime. Yeah. Everybody's fed. Got to get the Holmeses fed before they're going to laugh. That's right. One of the greatest. Thank. That's my Christmas gift is that you helped me remember that on the pod. I appreciate it. I was very proud of you in that moment. And what you did for little Pete in that moment was huge. He was so happy. It's, it's reprocessing. You <laughs> go was. back into uh, something you couldn't do as a child and you do it now. And it's powerful. Yeah. It's just unfortunate that you're th- different families have different like how again on the West Wing, but generals have those colorful badges. They have rows and rows and rows of badges. Yeah, I don't know. I was waiting until I was like uh, successful before I could feel comfortable. Well, you can't do it till you're ready. It doesn't matter. We all need. I just wonder if it would have been possible. I think it is. I think there are like real Luke Wilson, oh, Owen yeah. Wilsons that don't need to be a fancy boy to get the courage to be like. Hey, I'm a human. You're a human. We're stuck here. <laughs> yeah. You know, your time being my parents is over. I'm going to I'm going to break your balls and do it in a loving way yeah. that you can enjoy. But I was I was so raised in that success model. That's yeah. why the, the spirit when I say like personal success and achievement can inform spiritual breakthrough. That's what I'm trying to remedy. I came from just just success, just success, just succeed. Yeah. And then and then a, a long time going like just spirit. Yeah. And feeling sort of weird about the other thing. Uh-huh. But then you know, seeing the convergence that everything can be sacred. Absolutely. And again, that that goes back to like we're bone and breath. We're like we're of this material world and we're It's not a mistake. It's not a mistake. Yeah. What a strange, the hubris to go, this is a mistake. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. Um, Well, I want to make sure that you get out in time for your call. Yeah. Sorry, guys. We only have the nanny for a little while. That's funny. I was just thinking about how many texts. I know. Our contractor texted us. Um, I can find a poem real quick. Yeah. If we want to. And do you have any... Closing thoughts. There were some really great questions I want to say. Can I read this text from my mom real quick? Yeah. Speaking of using humor to roast, here is my mom's real reply to me telling her that I'm sending her a book. I'm reading this book called Gilead, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. If you look, it won the Pulitzer, Pulitzer Prize. Um, and I thought my mom might enjoy it. Gary Gullman recommended it to me, and I am loving it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just said, hey, because it was a used book, because it's very popular, there was no gift option. So it's just texting her, hey, I thought it would be fun if we could read this. And when I talked to you on Sunday, we could gab about it like a book club. And then she wrote, I was like, so if you're around, it's coming tomorrow. And she wrote, I have a dental appointment tomorrow, but I assume the packages will be left at the door. Read the appointment. I have a broken tooth that is eroding and I need it checked out. I broke it eating bread full of nuts and bolts. Must have bitten a bolt. Ha ha. I have ordered presents for you as well. I don't know what day they will come. Where does your mail and packages go when you're not there? Is it thrown over the fence? I am not doing as well as I hoped. I have not yet decorated the Christmas tree. Do I need to say more? I love you very much and Brody too. I found the card I wrote Leela for her birthday last year. I will write one for her second birthday as well and all other birthdays in between. <laughs> all other holidays in between. So here here I am again trying to use humor mm. as a way of 
acknowledging truth there because there is a certain polity there uh-huh. where my mom is writing a text and usually if I just reply every single time no matter how hard I do no how many no matter how many times I reread the text she'll be like and what about my tooth I was gonna say you better address every that's right every aspect of that and that's a trap uh-huh and I all she wants is love and yeah. all she wants is some... It's to be seen to and be seen. everything that we all want. And a way to spare yourself addressing every single one. You can just hit her back with this. She really loved it, I hope. Uh, I wrote, you win the award for longest text of 2020, Mama, by a long shot. We ought to get you some parchment and a feather quill pen. Hope you enjoy the gifts. Sorry about your tooth. Yes, they throw them over the fence. Any other questions I miss, I'll answer in my Sunday press briefing. Love you. <laughs> And then she wrote, looking forward to it. I write a lot because I have a lot to say, wise guy. But I mean, that's <laughs> it. Let's just get to it. You did it. The sub- subtitle's on. We're just saying, I love you. I'm here. I love you. I'm here. I remember you. Do you remember me? I remember you. I love you. Yes. That's so great. That's such a perfect response from both of you. Thank you. Um, okay. I love it. I Oh, I was started to say there were some really great questions that people sent. Um that I do, I just want you to know that I have marked them and I, I, we will be getting to them, but it doesn't seem like we have time to get into a question today. Um, well, we, we have 20 minutes. Well, but really... 10 minutes. Yeah. You dropped your ring. And we have to do the intro, so... Um, I thought maybe I would play an East Forest song. Oh, great. I gotta make sure it's one. One of the tabs that's open is Zaybar's checkout. (laughs) I uh, I uh, buy a lot of Zaybar's. Oh, I think I might should have not seen what I just saw. What? I didn't get you cookies. Oh man! If you're in the LA area, delicious cookies is amazing. It's my favorite cookies, and they're vegan, or at least they have vegan options. Really good vegan ones. Yeah. Yeah. No, I sent those to Katie. Sorry, Katie. Spoiler. Okay. Oh, I like this one. This is from his album. I kind of feel like this poem doesn't fit this vibe. Maybe it does. I like it. How about this one? Oops. I don't know the songs well enough. Here we go. Okay, that's. This is from Orbitz, his album. It's really good. Cool. Um, This poem isn't done. I think I start all of them with that. It's your poem. Yeah. One day, I don't remember exactly when, I just fell in love with fire. It's like I finally got it. How something can be both destructive and comforting, wild and domestic, a painful celebration, a complicated friend, whom you cannot touch but must lean in close to feel. Mm. A sharp-tongued mother licking away the afterbirth. Our first greeter into this existence is water, then wind, then earth. They are our companions in our early years. It is only after we've spent time in the darkness, chilled to the bone, in a trance of separation, cursed to hold the burden of generations of pain, all on our own. It is then, and not a moment sooner, that we are ready to meet the fire. Orange light dancing on cave walls, illuminating the stories of our ancestors. Calloused, bloody hands turning the spit. Mothers dancing, skin exposed in celebration of the dangerous light 
by which they lived. Only then can we appreciate the light. Only then can we really feel the warmth. Only then, when we have too much to carry, can we welcome destruction. Time now with the music. No. <laughs> Hey, East, should we do like a little oh. collaboration? <laughs> you call him East now. Um, <laughs> the Dangerous Light. Yeah. It's so good. Thank you, baby. We live in dangerous light. Yeah. Reality is dangerous light. It's dangerous light. But it's also warm and nice. That's right. <laughs> wow, I love that. As if I had to say that, somebody was like, is this dangerous? No, it's also, it's also warm and nice. It's also warm, don't worry. But it is funny, we're teaching Leela about fire, because now we have this fireplace. And it's, it and it's so fascinating to be like, this is a good thing, and it's a dangerous thing. And put your hands up, it's nice and warm, but don't touch it, it's very hot and it'll yeah. hurt you. Yeah. But like, like the fact that we wanted, we paid money and did all of this work to have this dangerous thing in yeah, our house yeah. because it also has so much benefit. And she knows now she'll go, uh, hot ouchie. And then she'll go, no, nice and warm. <laughs> <laughs> Should we leave with the the audio of Leela counting? Oh, my God. Let's end on the 10 count. (laughs) Forgive us, guys. Hopefully this isn't too indulgent. I don't think it is. I was going to say, hopefully your hearts aren't made of stone and you hate hearing perfect, beautiful toddlers counting to 10. (laughs) There's a part in Gilead where he says that seeing a child's face is a vision as worthy as any mystic's vision. As any mystic vision. Such a good book. You would love it. I want to read it. Okay, so should I turn the music off? Okay, so I'm going to turn the music off. We're going to hear Leela count to ten for the first time on film. Yeah. And then we'll say keep it crispy. We love you guys. Thank you for listening. I I really do look forward to this. This is such a treasure, such a cherished time. And all I I read everything that gets sent to me, and I try to respond to it. It sometimes takes me months. Um, But all of your kind words and encouragement, I mean, we get so many... Uh, messages about how this is helping you and I just want to say that the way that that is received is like oh we're all connected it's not like it's a nice little tribe we got going that's right it's because we're just sharing what's working for us so for you to take the time and write that like this is also working for you um, it makes the world feel small and it makes it's just a helpful reminder that we all just need the same things. Yeah. Um, so thank you, thank you, thank you to those of you who take the time to do I, that. I agree. The song is called Hold On Again if you want to play it on Spotify. It's so great. Okay, and this video is... Not on Spotify. <laughs> yeah. Here we go. And you can see, but you got to count, okay? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and ten. It's like cocaine, I think. I've never Uh, never done it. It's gotta be what heroin feels like. It's gotta be. All right. Keep it. Crispy. Motherfucker. (laughs) I'm so crispy. My ice game, make you haters wanna do.